Haven. I'm Bezzy. And you're listening to Dreaming in the Dark, the black fantasy podcast of your dreams. Dreaming in the Dark is a podcast created by black fantasy scholars, Bezzy Hannes and Raven K. Stringfield, two black girls with a love of magic that brings the stories we wish we had as children to the forefront. Named after visionary Toni Morrison's treasured critical analysis, Playing in the Dark, our podcast celebrates the creations that center those usually written in the margins of the fantastic. The aim of Dreaming in the Dark is to craft a place where we explore our visions for Black futures and freedoms and play in the worlds created by Black artists, scholars, and writers. On this episode of Dreaming in the Dark, we'll be talking to award-winning filmmaker and playwright Micah Ariel Watson. Micah Watson is a filmmaker and playwright whose work centers the blurred lines between the sacred and the secular in Black culture. Recently, her play Alaya won several Kennedy Center Awards. Her web series Black Enough is streaming on YouTube and headed into its second season. Originally from Wichita, Kansas, Micah is an MFA graduate of NYU Tisch School of the Arts and the artist-in-residence for the Memory Project at the University of Virginia. Welcome to Dreaming in the Dark, Micah. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm really excited to kind of dive into your work. So I think to get us started, one place we can start to ask question, a question is, when did you start to feel a pull to cultivate work in the intersections of Blackness and magic? Did any piece of media in particular draw you in? You know, I've been asking myself that question because I'm at this place where all of a sudden it's like, all of my work deals with like the supernatural and magic. And I don't even think I did that on purpose. So just like kind of thinking back to that moment, the, the closest thing I can come to, to like find pinpointing a moment was when I started writing Black Enough, um, just cause it deals with black girl magic and whatnot. And I think it's, pr- it's probably like no coincidence that sort of at the same time you were starting to work on your dissertation and things like that. And so just like in conversations, I think I, there started to be some seeds planted for, making my work sort of intersect with the worlds of like supernatural and magic and things of that sort. Yeah. I don't know if there's like an exact moment though. I mean, that's okay. It's, it's interesting that it sort of evolved from our conversations in, in a lot of our text thread. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. So you mentioned black enough. um, And that is your web series that just finished its uh, crowdfunding for its second season, which is really exciting. And for those of you at home that aren't familiar with Black Enough, the series follows college freshman Amaya Jones as she works to uncover what is in a Black girl magic potion. So I kind of want to ask you, how did the Black girl magic potion become such a strong motif in the series? Yeah, um, so I guess I can go go back to sort of the how the series started. So came from a number of places, but one event that happened was um, I was at UVA, um, where both me and Raven went my fourth year, and a bunch of well-intentioned Black girls had this idea to do a photo shoot, because like the Duke Black girls had done a photo shoot, and it was going to be a Black girl magic photo shoot, it was going to go viral, and that was going to be thing, it was going to be great and amazing. I was like, oh, that's super dope. Um, So I signed up for it, and then we get an email um, with all these pictures of like what we're supposed to look like, right? Like this is a Black girl magic photo shoot, this is what to wear, this is where to shop, these are the looks, this is the hair, this is the makeup, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, like, this is interesting slash weird because, like, this does not look like me. Like, none of these images look like what, how I see myself. 
Um, but yet I found myself like trying to, you know, rummage through my closet and see what I could find that would make me look like, you know, one of those Instagram model girls. And I went to that photo shoot and I just felt like so super empty. I was like, I don't feel like black girl magic. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, someone else. I'm trying to fit into this mold or be performative. And I was like, I think I would feel like black girl magic if I was wearing like my overalls and docks right now or like Converse. Like that's what would make me feel like black girl magic. And so I guess I just started to ask the questions like, what is black girl magic? Is it the same for everyone? Is it different? Like what are these components that make you qualified to be in a photo shoot like this? What are the components that would make you qualified to like put this label black girl magic on yourself or more, I guess more specifically on myself. Um, and, and from that, I just like, <laughs> I, I like wordplay. So I was like, oh, like magic potion, black girl magic potion. So just, I guess just simply from um, thinking about those things, but also like having a love of words too and putting those things together, I sort of expanded on that. And so, yeah, the series really, ask the question like what makes up a black girl those are the first lines in the entire series and I think that's a question I'm continuously asking myself like what makes me qualified to like wear you know this crown of black girl magic to you know um put myself in conversation with other black girls that I admire what are the things that disqualify me from that are these qualifications fake so it's like I guess the black girl magic potion is just the idea that being a black girl is maybe a series of questions and not answers and so yeah I don't really know what's in the potion but that's where it came from <laughs> that's really really impactful I think there's a lot of conversation that always continues to cycle back on social media about the diaspora wars and about ways that black communities have sort of found ways to both understand and find points of solidarity with each other, but then also find these sort of points of division and different experiences and different positionalities. And although I like, I'm coming at it from a very, my own specific standpoint, which is like being first generation um, Ethiopian immigrant in America in which I didn't really understand and wasn't really allowed to understand what being black meant until very, very late until really like college. It's really interesting to me to hear other people, other Black girls, asking the same questions as I did because I thought that, like, everybody else knew what Black, being Black meant, and I didn't, and I was the one playing catch-up. Um, but being part of social media, being part of these discussions, and sort of the cyclical nature of these discussions has made me realize, oh, everybody's, we're all asking the question of what does it mean to, to be Black, to understand our blackness to enjoy our blackness in a world that doesn't want us to do that let alone define it let alone find points of solidarity in it and so i think that's really powerful that your series is exploring that so sort of build off of how you talked about the black girl magic potion being sort of a play on words but also your exploration into the supernatural a little bit you think about the magic and the supernatural in these really impactful ways in some of your other work. Raven mentioned that you are working on two other scripts, uh, Perseveres and The Rhythm of a Supernova. Can you talk about the ways that you felt pulled to explore the fantastic in either or both of those works? Yeah, um, <laughs> it keeps being like a series of accidents that I just like keep stumbling into the, into, the, into the fantastic. I get to like, I don't know, page 70 of the script and I'm like, well, like this has to happen. There's no other choice. Um, and I guess, man, I, I don't even know. I think with preserves, it has to do a lot with like faith and spirituality in my Christian background. And I've been, re I was reading this book um, called Walking on Water by Madeline Lingle who wrote um, A Wrinkle in Time. Um, I don't agree with like everything in the book, but 
sort mm-hmm. of a lot of the ideas presented in the book are that like Christianity and like magic aren't these things that are necessarily like separate like um I don't know a lot of Christians are like pressed about like unicorns or whatever like this cannot be but it's like okay but you believe in the transfiguration like that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were all standing in one place and one time um and that's like not an issue for you so I think that freed me up to sort of make those intersections and cross those lines in ways that felt like um, was not in competition with my faith, but actually um, augmented it and alluded uh, alluded to things that I think are deeper questions that I have for myself. So I think preserves a lot of it happened just because of um, my, my um, history as a part of the Black Pentecostal Church with um, Supernova. Uh, mm, I'm trying to think of it <laughs> other than like talking to Raven <laughs> because. Okay, here's what, ha- here's what happened with the rhythm of supernovas. The rhythm of a supernova. So I was, like, I started, I had some ideas for this, like, rom-com that I wanted to write. Like, something that would be fun, light, refreshing. And so I'd been jotting stuff down over the summer. And then on Twitter, Raven was like, I need you to write me. <laughs> I need you to, like, write me up, like, a black love story. And I was like, okay, bet. Um, and so I was just, <laughs> I sort of just decided I was going to put everything that, like, me and Raven like collectively in one story. And as a result, that, like, just had to include the supernatural. It had to include magic. Um, and so I guess it really started off as a story for Raven, but then really became a story for me as well. Um, so the, the supernatural was, like, serving someone else, but then I, then I realized, like, oh, this is so much a part of, I don't know, what I'm already doing. And it's, there was kind of like one level to it, right? Like the character really likes comics and she likes Afrofuturism and her dad's sort of into this like, um, you know, black star, like, you know, find another planet, find another place for black people type vibe. It starts there, but then eventually, I'm not going to spoil it. It gets to this point where I was writing and I was like, I really have no other choice but to enter this fantastic realm. I was like, like there's literally nothing else that can happen. Um, And so I think it's really just stories surprising me which I enjoy. And now I feel like I need to add to my bio that I enjoy writing about like magic and stuff like that because I had never really thought of it as a concrete thing before. See, I love this for you because I have <laughs> known I've known Micah since she was um, a freshman in first sorry, a first year at the University first of Virginia. Year. <laughs> oh my God, y'all are that <laughs> as a William of Mary grad, we've heard y'all <laughs> saying this across the way and we're like, this is y'all <laughs> I mean, so, so you can it is a lot. It is a lot. Like, we're not, we're not doing it out of pretension. We're doing no, it definitely it. out of, like... It's really funny. <laughs> but also, like, William and & Mary and, and, and y'all... And, well, our yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, our Thomas Jefferson. Uh, we, we should... Yeah, the... I got it from both sides. This is a lot. I'm, um, oh, are you okay? Hides. Okay. Hides. <laughs> Checking in. <laughs> no, I am not okay, but that's fine. Um, but, yeah, Micah, I love this for you because um, I have known you... For such a long time now, it's been several years and I've seen you through two different education systems. Like I've seen you through undergraduate and your MFA and knowing who you were when you came into um, undergrad and like knowing where your art started, having like seeing this journey for you into, and I love seeing, hearing you talk about the ways that like for you magic and and your and your religion and your spirituality did not have to be separate things but could coexist rather peacefully and they kind of 
um, manifest in these different ways. Like I, I love that for you because I feel like this is part of your journey in, in being free. Like I love that for you. Um, and it's so good. And I also am thinking, um, I'm also just thinking deeply about the ways that you come to magic because for for you your journey to magic is a little bit different from I think most of the people that we will talk to in that it's so deeply rooted in your Christianity and the way that you kind of like understand yourself um as a black Christian um I don't really have a fully formed question but I I do want to kind of poke at that because a lot of a lot of our guests you know the first thing they'll say is Uh, I read Harry Potter or like I read Chronicles of Narnia or, or something to that effect Um, as the sort of, you know, little kid interested in magic, but coming to it later in life must be another experience as well. Like that, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that. It's interesting, um, especially because you mentioned like Harry Potter and whatnot. Like I was the kid who was like not allowed to read Harry Potter or listen to secular music or like and, and any of those things, which I, I understand um, the culture that my you know parents came from and sort of why they they set those parameters for me. But it's been nice as I as I grow up and I shift and I change to find the places where those magic and Christianity uh, actually do intersect. And I think that really has been yeah like a part of. A, a journey of freedom for me. I had um, my, so I have this one filmmaker friend, Terrence Day, check out his work. He's amazing. Um, and we were watching Black Enough together just on a, a Saturday, just like chilling because he hadn't seen it yet. He was like, I think your work like really is about imagination. Um, your work is about like, yeah, it's, it's about imagination. It's the, the style you edit and um, the, the way that you think about music and things of that sort. And I was like, oh, that's like interesting. I never really thought about it that way. And so I think imagination is actually really the the, the realm in, in which um, the fantastic and the Christian sort of manifest for me, right? Because the, the faith in Jesus for me, it's all about hope. It's all about imagining a world that is much better than this jacked up one that we're living in. It's about imagining peace and joy and all these like really beautiful things. And so I think just like pressing further into what that could look like and understanding that what that looked like may be completely outside of like my understanding of the world, maybe completely outside of things I've seen before, heard before, read before, and sort of like pressing into the stuff that, um, yeah, that doesn't actually have a manifestation like, on this earth yet that's exciting to me and something that's really new to me um and i a lot of those in my work i'm finding now a lot of that is um it's grounded in sort of like these real life stories but i'd be interested to see what happens if i kind of just go there all the way i don't know i haven't really done that yet but (laughs) we'll we'll see (laughs) as someone who had a very similar background in terms of yeah i wasn't i read chronicles of narnia because it was c.s lewis and who was christian and was allowed but yeah harry potter (laughs) i went to in fact at the time i was going to a a christian private school and they explicitly sent a letter home with us to our to give to our parents saying this book harry potter just came out these kids better not read it we better not see it in our halls um and Mm. the same with um what was the other one uh his dark materials by Mm. philip pullman like we got letters sent home to be like that was a non-starter somehow for me in that fantasy was the illicit sort of like oh this was the rebellious thing I was doing to keep searching after this Mm. but I totally understand or I I feel like I have a point of reference for what you're saying and the ways that the fantastic and faith 
have always felt linked to me because I do identify still as a Christian, but a lot of that has been working out how much of faith is what it says on the tin, which is mm-hmm. believing in things not seen. Yeah. And yet, how do you, so how do you read that, so to speak, read, the, or read what's on the tin and say, oh, this is believing in things not seen, and then still try to uh, push away the fantastic, because that is the core of faith, is to believe in things that you can't see, can't understand, can't define. To me, that, that has always felt intertwined inexpressibly intertwined even and so that is really powerful that you're you've, you're coming to that and working that out in a really public um black girl magic promoting way that's so interesting for both of you just like to quickly interject because yeah. you know I also um grew up like super southern baptist um but like I was totally allowed to read harry potter was able to read his dark materials <laughs> like my parents just were like my parents had a very, um, and they still kind of have this stance toward me. It, I think it was very much a, okay, well, she's going to do whatever she wants to do. So, <laughs> we, <laughs> so spot on. Yeah. So they just really didn't stop me. Um, and I think my mom, and so my mom also, I think this is a difference too. My mom is, was a fifth grade public school teacher. And so like, that's what the kids were reading, right? Like they were reading Harry Potter and they were reading Philip Pullman. And so Mm -hmm. it it wasn't like she could hide it from me, even if she wanted to. Um, so I had early access to a lot of those things. Um, just, I think because of, you know, my my mom being a teacher and then also just like partially because I, I think I think they realized and I also realized that telling me that I wasn't going to do something just wasn't going to work at like my big age of three like that yeah. just- <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're all kind of coming to this from like different perspectives but arriving at a, a similar place this is cool yeah all right so just to sort of maybe continue the line of questioning about all the amazing work you're doing. Since we're talking a lot about media and books and art that's inspiring us to think critically about magic and the fantastic and the different ways we've come to it, what art now is sort of inspiring you to create the art that you're creating, Um, whether it be about magic and the fantastic or it's other black girl art, black girl media um, that's sort of driven you to continue creating? So my current obsession is Toni Morrison. <laughs> like I, I keep trying like to stop like reading Toni Morrison books. I haven't read that many. Let me let me not make it seem like I've read like everything she's ever written. But I'm like three books in. I'm reading a fourth, and I tried to make myself stop. And I was like, no, like this is what I'm really drawn to right now. And I think it's she has this this, this intersection of history and memory and imagination and like all these things at one time that just never really seem to be competing, but just existing. Um, without explanation, right? Like, I love how she'll start a chapter and you literally, like, don't know what she's talking about. Like, I don't know where we are, what we're talking about, who this person is, but, like, I'm in it, right? Like, this is beautiful and I trust her. And then I'm like, okay, by the time we get to the end of the chapter or the end of the paragraph, you're like, mine completely blown um, in a really unforced way just by simply telling the stories of these these Black communities. Um, So, yeah, Toni Morrison has really been who I've, who I'm into recently, especially um, as I work on preserves. Um, yeah, she's kind of like my my <laughs> my main chick. <laughs> um, I also love um, Khalil Joseph. He's a, a video artist um, in terms of like 
my editing style and what I look for in terms of images. Like I really, really like the way that um, he uses collage um, to sort of take these very disparate images and, and put them together in a way that just like feels um, super cohesive. Those are probably the, the two people that I've been um, engaging with the most recently. Um, but there's always like, you know, I, I always like a good black rom-com, stuff like that. But yeah, Toni Morrison is probably my number one. Yeah, I love I love the Toni Morrison face for you. I love all of this for you. Like I love <laughs> I love your like your your grasping of magic and your Toni Morrison thing, but also just because I think we're probably gonna find a way to mention Toni in every episode. As we, we should. As, as we, we should. should. <laughs> as we should. You know, we are named for playing in the dark. Like that is right. was our main inspiration was that we we both kind of came to this and we said, Okay, playing in the dark with like a lot of Ebony Thomas's The Dark Fantastic. So for me, there were several inspirations in the title, but definitely playing in the dark. Toni Morrison is, I mean, even like there's sort of, again, cyclical discussions um, about how Beloved is horror and mm-hmm. was never yeah. really allowed to be horror, but it is yeah. horror. And she was always playing with the supernatural, talking mm-hmm. about the supernatural, intrinsic in the sort of mm-hmm. narrative that she's telling. It was genre that didn't, you mm-hmm. know, Western genre definitions mm-hmm. that didn't know what to do with her um, in that space. Um, but playing in the dark, absolutely her foundational understanding of blackness being this fantastic space mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. America is working out its understanding of the other of blackness, of whatever. And so that is the place that we have been left to play is Mm -hmm. in this unknown, the great unknown of blackness. But also Ebony Thomas's The Dark Fantastic Mm -hmm. and the way that black girls inherently anchor, as is her argument, that black girls are inherently anchoring this idea of the monstrous, the uncanny, the other Mm -hmm. again. So you come back to this idea of blackness as this space where so much has yet to be understood and worked out and defined Mm -hmm. like what we sort of talked about earlier about blackness how do we define what being black means um but then also I just feel like darkness as a trope is again this this idea that darkness is to be feared and to be left Mm -hmm. alone and to be shied away from is something that we're constantly trying to reclaim as black people what does it mean to play in the dark to love the dark to feel at home in spaces that are on the margins of the fantastic and so yeah and i think that that is so such a good way to to think about our next question because when we so there's this maybe impulse to like shine a light in the dark but we don't necessarily need to we don't even necessarily need to do that right like there is a way in which we as artists are working to just showcase right? Like we are just, we are just here to let you see what we see, right? And so in that way, I want to ask you, Micah, because, you know, we, we talk a lot about books, right? Like Bezzy is a bookstagrammer. I'm a PhD student. I also write novels. Like we, we talk about books a lot. We talk to people who write and also think about books a lot. But you're somebody who works in a, in a medium that's very visual, that also is inspired by music, that's inspired by a lot of different things, lots of layers. And so capturing that magic, that sort of fantastic space on camera, it must be very different. different. Um, and I would love to, t- to hear about what your creative process is for um, trying to capture that magic so as to show it to other people 
Yeah. Um, when we're on set um, or when we're in design meetings, I'm always going to be like, is this a vibe? Like, does this feel like a vibe? Like, okay, this needs to be a vibe. Like, vibe, 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 vibe. People are like, Mike, I get another word. But I think that's really the, the thing that is like, that, that anchors me. Like, can't, do I feel this? Like, when I'm looking at this image, do I feel it? When I'm editing, do I feel it? When I hear this, like, how does my body respond to, to what we're presenting? And that's, the kind of thing that's like inexplicable you can't like I can try to put it on the page I can try to write it down but really you're, I'm not going to know if it's a vibe <laughs> until we shoot it until we're um you know in the space dancing or editing or, or, or what have you so yeah I kind of always return to like how does my body respond when I'm engaging with this work um and that's not just necessarily on the the end side of a project, it's like, is my body responding to the music you're, you're playing me uh, as a sample? Is my body responding to these colors? Is it responding, um, you know, to, to the way that you're delivering lines? Like all, everything just like needs to be a vibe. And um, it's, it's kind of like striking, I don't, I'm trying to think of like music terms, but like, it's like, it's like striking a particular chord um, or a note. Like at, there's a point when everything sort of just like resonates and it's hard to, like codify exactly what that is but I try to like find that moment in each step of the process when I feel it or whatever that feeling is for each particular project and then hopefully when I put all the pieces together you know all those things will like make that you know resonant sound louder um so it's kind of it's a it's a difficult thing that I think often like leads back to like how I'm feeling about a particular moment I think that I'm also finding that the way that I engage with the fantastic has to do with the body. And I don't have like a fully formed like thought on that, except for that. I love to shoot dancers, look like film dancers. Let me look, not make that sound weird, but I love to like, I love to film dancers and I, they can be completely different characters. They can have completely different outlooks on the world, but just the way that their body moves through space can like take you to another place at the same time as like grounding you in the one that we're, aware of and unfamiliar with. So I just love seeing black girls dance on screen. That does something for me. And that sort of feels magical, whether or not the piece is, you know, um, explicitly about the supernatural or, or what have you. So yeah, I think it's like about feelings, bodies, that sort of thing. Um, something I feel like I'm constantly trying to get at or constantly go after is like, how do I capture this sort of magic on the screen? Because I think that's the thing that makes a, a film really good. That's so wonderful, especially knowing most of your your body of work. I'm thinking about um, like wake up music. I think mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, even though so this was um, this was a performance. This was a script that Micah wrote while she was an undergrad, and it was um, performed at UVA. Um, but I think about that. I think about Canaan, and I think about which was another um, another. Um, show that was produced while she was at UVA and I think about how the body is so important to both of those pieces in some ways like I think you know capturing like my favorite moment from Kanan is um and this is not a spoiler in case anyone ever like wants to go like find find the script of Kanan but the thing that I'm thinking about um a lot with 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 Kanan is you do manage to capture the magic in very small moments. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking about the, the time where Camille and Lisa are, Lisa is doing Camille's hair yeah. in that, in that just moment, seeing that moment on, on stage was just like a, 
deeply profound moment because I, it felt transcendent in a lot of ways. Like it mm. felt like something else was going on. So I think whatever you're doing to try to kind of capture the essence of this magical thing, you're doing very well. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this right. has been such an amazing yeah, discussion of Black Fantastic and all the work that you're doing. And it's so cool to hear about all the different th- projects you've done and all the projects that you have coming. So we just wanted to ask if you have any final thoughts and if you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have coming up. Yeah. Um, and I'll just tell you guys where I'm, where you can find my stuff. You can find, you can find my web series black enough at black enough underscore underscore. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Micah, M-I-C-A-H underscore R-A-L-A-R-I-E-L 11 at Micah underscore R-A-L 11. Um, and if you, you Google me, you'll find my website and I'm um, just continuing to work on season two of black enough, have some other things in the works, um, a feature and hopefully some other projects. So yeah, I'm super excited to have been here and to talk with you guys and um, sort of actually unpack what I didn't know I was actually doing. So this is why you need black women in community. All right. Well, we are going to thank you for your time and thanks for joining us this week on Dreaming in the Dark. We'll see you next time.